Hello, everyone, and welcome to Call Your Hits, a Stormriders Airsoft podcast. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Today, I'm joined by Jordan. Jordan has been on the podcast a few times now. He's an airsofter from the Northeastern USA. He's one of our Discord moderators. And bottom line, he's one of my good buddies, and I'm always glad to get a chance to talk to Jordan. Um, so we'll be doing a bit of a year in review with Jordan. But first, I just wanted to quickly touch on uh, an update for Bill C-21. So this is likely going to be the last update for the year uh, since the committee is scheduled to adjourn for the holidays this week, unless something drastic changes. That being said, Said, over the last week, Bill C-21 has exploded in the public forum in a way that was largely unexpected. So if you recall, the bill is currently at the committee stage where members of the committee can propose amendments to it. Well, one of the proposed amendments has proven quite controversial. So the amendment relates to firearms and not airsoft, so I'm not going to go into the specifics, but it's generated a lot of discussion, and you may even have read about this uh, Bill C-21 in the news Whereas previously, you might not have heard about it. So as a result, it's likely going to be a while before any Airsoft-related amendments are discussed, and it's quite likely that the passing of this bill is going to take a lot longer than initially anticipated. So it will be well into the new year before we have any sort of finality on the fate of Airsoft. And on the one hand, that's kind of good for us because we can continue to collect Airsoft replicas and so on. But on the other, being in limbo kind of sucks, right? You just kind of want to know. So hopefully that doesn't last uh, too, too much longer. So that's where Bill C-21 is right now. Last time you hear about it for this year, I promise, unless something explodes. Uh, and with that out of the way, let's talk about Jordan. So, hey man, how are you? What's going on, Phil? Nice to see you again, man. It's been a while. Yeah, it's always nice to see you, man. So last time we were on, I think we had talked about your Milsim experience uh, at uh, Feel Good, right? Was that, I'm trying to remember, was that the most recent one that I went to in the beginning of November? Was that what it was? No, it would have been was earlier, it? earlier in the summer. I'm trying to remember what Milsom event that would be at Feel Good. I remember. Yeah, I really don't remember. I remember a couple yeah. of stories. You're telling me you got that patch made, like eat your food, drink your water. Um, and then you had like. Are we sure know, that that was a Feel Good? I might not have been Feel Good. Yeah. So if we were talking the one where I got those patches, um, I, I had those patches made. That was in like May. That was spring offensive. That was my first yes. uh, Milsim as an LMG gunner. Yes, that's yeah, the, so, that's uh, that's that. Does, yeah. Is that the last time we talked, man? That was I think so. It's been a long time. It's been a long year. There's been a lot of stuff that's been going on. <laughs> yeah. A couple so, of things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that was definitely the last one that we talked about was in may when yeah when it was like a 94 95 degree pop that yeah crazy hot yeah i remember because we had talked uh you had given me a call over the phone and we talked about like uh you know prepping and stuff like that for for the heat yep. i'm not the right person to talk to about that but we still had a good conversation about it <laughs> but so so what what has airsoft you know i i know you know there's some personal stuff that uh, that's you've gone through this year we don't have to get into it but yep. uh, how has airsoft been for you for the rest of the year for the last like you know six months basically uh, I mean, this year was a good airsoft year, I'd say overall. Um, as a team, we didn't do as many 
uh, big Milsom events as we did the previous year. And I, I, I wouldn't even say not as many. I think it was just the Milsom events that we could go to. We didn't have like everybody was able to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt was away with the National Guard for a bunch of training all the time. So like every single op this year, it was shit, guys, I have drill or I'm going to be I'm going to be away somewhere else. So we couldn't make it. So that was a, a big bummer for Matt. Um, but besides that, we got a new teammate. Um, his name is Jeremy, and he is awesome. He fits right in with everybody else. And uh, Will, one of our one of our uh, one of the first guys that was on the team, you know, it was me, Matt, and Will that started talking about it. Uh, it was a good friend of his uh, from like a previous group that they used to play together all the time. So it t- kind of took a while to coax Jeremy into joining us. I remember like mentioning it to him a couple times, like, "Hey, man, why don't you join the pairs?" and blah, 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 all this other things. And um, it was just like, yeah, I'm kind of a lone wolf, whatever. And then I just kept like inviting him to like random games with us, like here and there. And like, hey, come to this invite event that I'm going to and and so and so. And then um, at the last Milsom event, which is the first one that we had with him on our team, um, like directly on like with us, I just asked him, I was like, so when are you going to join the pairs? And he's like, yeah, I guess I guess we'll do it. And I'm like, yeah. OK, so we awesome. threw him a patch. Yeah, everybody was super excited. Jeremy's awesome. He fits, like I said, he fits right in with everybody else. I mean, he's just very good. Uh, it just fits into the play style. And honestly, he's just another great guy to hang around with. So, um, you know, just gained a great friend. And it's just, you know, it's it's just nice to see where I started with meeting people in Airsoft and seeing that it didn't stop. Like, yeah. I didn't just meet a couple of people and then stop talking to new people. Like, I, I met my friends. I joined the team. Or we made the team. And then, you know, I kept socializing and it, I kept getting myself out there. And now people know most of the people in the local fields like have seen us before or they or they've heard of us or they've seen our name on rosters and stuff before. So it's not like we're all just a bunch of um, random people that they're they're not familiar with. So like when they see our names or they they see us on the field, they're like, hey, it's nice to see you. It hasn't been a while. And, um, you know, it's just it's nice to see that we're still out there making friends and we're not getting into the attitude where it's like. Yeah, this is our team. I don't want to talk to anybody else. Yeah, you know, totally. I, which I, I feel like some people do get into that. I've felt that way when I've approached other teams just to talk to people that are on it. Um, and it feels like they kind of push me away because I don't know them and I'm not on their team. Maybe it's a socialization thing. Like, I'm just very forward with mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, but it's just something to notice. I'm glad that we're not like that. Uh, let's see what else. So Jeremy joined. That was in the summer. After the summertime... Um, by the way, my RPK went down for that event. Yeah. So okay. I, I, I didn't run my RPK. It actually went down the week before. Um, so I ran another LMG that I have, the stoner. Uh, if Coro's listening to this, he'll be super excited to hear that I'm finally talking about my stoner. <laughs> uh, that, that stoner is great. Um, it is also currently broken because <laughs> I don't have any mags that are working with it right now. So, uh, and they're like $130. I don't really want to spend that money on new mags. Yeah, really? So, eh? Yep. Yep, so that's that's getting repaired. That's a great gun. Um, it's in the size of like a short M4 now. It's actually the same length as my AK-74U, and that's pretty short. That's yeah. a pretty short gun. So an LMG in that profile, very short, um, very good for running gun, and it's very, very light. So that's great. That was the last Milsim that we did as like a big team with a bunch of people. And besides that, we did a couple of Milsims at Feel Good Farms where we kind of just had like three people or four people representing. Uh, we did an escape from Tarkov event, which was fantastic. Um, it was kind of 
totally different. You started off with limited ammo. You could only start off with like, I think it was 15 or so rounds in each magazine that you had. And then during the, um, the match, you had to find ammo on the field and you had to find meds and you had to find painkillers and uh, mission objectives and everything else. And if you died after the 30 minute mark, which was halfway through the round and you didn't get revived, you were out for the rest wow, of the round. Okay. So there was a real sense of like, we can't die here or we still need to get off the field because if you didn't extract, you lost everything too. So there was like major firefights happening with like five minutes left to go. And we were like pushing up hills and like trying to extract it like a downed plane and stuff. Uh, and, and that was awesome. It was totally unique. And it was a just a different experience. It was much more immersive because it felt like you're you getting hit actually meant something. Yeah. As opposed yeah, to just being like, yeah, as opposed to just like walking back to respawn and being like, yeah, whatever, you know, because uh, if you got shot and you got looted, you would lose everything. All your mm -hmm. meds, all your supplies, they could loot all the BBs that you haven't loaded off of you. Uh, it was pretty, it was pretty insane. It's interesting, like how games like that really, really shift your mindset about, you know, Airsoft. Like, and, and this is, I was talking on the podcast a little while ago, and I actually mentioned to players that our field just this weekend passed, like running those types of events that have like an RP element or that is somehow different that changes the stakes it's almost like you're playing a completely different game because you get so familiar mm -hmm. doing it one way. And then suddenly you're like, Oh, I only, I've only got like 15 BBs in this mag. Uh, well, Phil, you gotta be real cautious with that. Cause that's not very much. Right. So like, it really changes your mindset. Hey. Yeah. I, I played, I, I mean, I remembered, I listened to that podcast. That was on the last podcast that you were mm -hmm. talking about when you switched the field, just so you were playing sideways across it instead of like the long way um, playing, with limited ammo, it's very much the same. It's like the same game, but just a little bit different. So, for example, we were playing on um, the bear PMC side. So we were wearing all Russian camo um, and we encountered um, a group of the USEX, which is essentially like the NATO element of of the game. And we were down inside the town and um, a couple of my teammates got taken out and they had a certain bleed out time. So I we had to act quick. And I was the last one standing inside the town because all my teammates had gone down directly outside of it. And I knew that there were like four or five guys still in the town with me. And I was using a gun that wasn't mine. I was using uh, one of Jeff's guns, which was <laughs> fantastic. It, it did a great job. Um, but I had limited ammo going into the engagement. And it was some of the most intense fighting that I've ever, ever had in that one location. I play there all the time, but it's totally different when you were the last person alive and you are like counting your shots. Um, suffice to say, I was just, uh, <laughs> it was probably one of the best plays I've ever made in airsoft period. <laughs> like it was probably one of the best plays. I, I was peeking out behind corners cause we are veterans of the field. Now we've been playing there for a while and I play with a lot of people that have known it before me. So, um, there was just a couple of tight angles that I knew that the, other people didn't know, you know, a couple of different levels that I could peek. And I ended up clearing out like four or five guys all by myself and then getting up my teammates who were dead behind me and wounded, looting all the guys and taking all their ammo. And then we got off that area, brought our supplies like back to our main respawn area. And then we started out on like the next journey of the event. But it was so cool because it was not uh, I'm going to win this because it's airsoft and I'm just trying to win. It was like you were in the situation. Like if I die, we're done. Like mm -hmm. we're just done. If, if I die here, then we're that, that round is pretty much over or, you know, we have no ammo. Then what are you going to do once you have nothing? So 
that was probably one of the best games that I've played ever, um, just because of how different it was. And there was some questionable, some questionable behavior um, during that game. There was definitely a guy that had a drum mag on an M4, and there was full auto allowed. So, like, if you wanted to run all your ammo out, hey, that's totally fine. But he would rock up and just like full on spray like all of us. And I'm like, where is he getting all this ammo every single round? Because when you found ammo, it was literally like 50 shots. Mm-hmm. Like if you went to a trader, you get like 50 BBs. And that goes real fast, especially if you're shooting like Phil. So, yeah, yeah, yeah true. That, that, that's that's gone almost immediately. So I don't know where this guy was getting his ammo from, but uh, he would just roll up on the squad and just full auto like everybody. And then I'm like, dude, this guy had to have just shot like 150 rounds. Did the field like actually give you the ammo or do you just basically get a ticket to be able to use your own ammo out of that or just logistically i'm curious yeah so we when at the beginning of the round you were supposed to start it was based on like a trust thing like you would load your mag with x amount that you had from the beginning of the round but i believe that was only the first game of the day and then after that you were supposed to i mean you would still load but it was with a limited amount and if you didn't have ammo from the previous round, you couldn't reload immediately. You had to go out and scavenge more mm-hmm. throughout the game. So um, it was like four phases, I think, four hour long phases each. And um, you were running out of ammo fast. It was one of those things that should we take this engagement? Because what do we have? Do we have the supplies for this? Like, mm-hmm. Do we have the, the meds for this if one of us goes down? Or do we like are they too far that we're just wasting ammo at this point? Because. Like I said, 50 rounds goes by real quick when you're not point blank able to just shoot one shot and hit somebody. Um, So we started off in like it's a trust system, just like everything else in Airsoft Um, started off by loading your mags. And I I think it was supposed to be like 15 rounds per mag or something. But there was definitely some questionable mag loading. Yeah, because we were we were inside of a bus and I actually have a picture. I'll have to show it to you later, Phil. Um, I have a picture of me and Jeff and uh, Will. We were inside the bus and we had all these meds, which were just like pill bottles full of Mike and Ike's and um, <laughs> other other candy. So if you got shot, you could you could pop it. And you'd have to fully chew it first and then you could revive yourself, which was a different mechanic. Right. Um, something that you had to watch enemy players, because if they got down, but they had meds on them, they could revive themselves and then start fighting you immediately. Hmm. So we were inside the bus for like the final stand of like the last round. And we were just popping like Mike and Ike's just like constantly because we would get shot and then we'd have we'd have painkillers. <laughs> and then we just take the painkillers. And after the round was done, we held the bus. We took a picture. Tanner took a picture of us. And there was just scattering of like broken pill bottles and like wrappers <laughs> and stuff like all over the ground where awesome. it's like this is where we had like our final stand. Uh, it was just totally different. It was it was a really cool event. It it felt more milsim than some milsims I've been to. A lot of milsims can feel almost like skirmishes, like open plays, depending on how the game's set up. Yeah, and how many people are there. This felt tense. It felt exciting, uh, and it was slower paced because there wasn't as many people, but more intense than you know just constantly getting shot at. It was the best way to describe it was it was like we were playing escape from tarkov but in airsoft you know it was the, like the closest thing so uh it was a great amount of fun and i can't wait to do that again i just need to run the event again yeah that sounds amazing and i think i i really like the idea of 
the self-revive with the with the candy. And I'm actually gonna steal it, I think, because I think that's a we've done we've done similar if you remember. We I talked to you, I think, about how we did uh, medic revives with water bottles, which I think is still a great idea if you play somewhere really hot where people might get dehydrated or like yep. heat cas or whatever. Like forcing people to drink water is never a bad thing. But I think also simultaneously like sometimes you know doing like self revives with like candy would be great too. And I know Chris oh, wants yeah. his uh sour skittles so you know, we'll keep them going with that that's a great idea yeah. no those candies were hitting the spot especially because um the game was much more physically intense because there were places that you absolutely had to go mm -hmm. so the the marshal would plan out the the extraction points so that you had to interact with people on your way out so it wasn't like one team was extracting on the east side of the field the other team was extracting on the west it was like three individual squads had to converge on this one extraction area mm -hmm. so obviously there had to be like a firefight to happen on your way out and uh that extraction area just happened to be halfway up the summit of the field so yeah. um we had like five minutes to scale halfway up the summit through a firefight to get out um i'll have to show you the pictures of us because we extracted yeah <laughs> we, we ended up getting out at the end uh it, it was just a great time uh i really want to do that again and i didn't i haven't thought about it for a while but it's definitely one of the best times i've had playing yeah and it, it just goes to show like when it comes to game design for airsoft like what you're really chasing is creating those cinematic moments i think uh when we talked to matt about the um his uh, star wars slash not star wars milsim you know it's the same idea like you're creating these moments that are just like uh, outside of what you experience normally but really put you in that moment right so like yep. you're talking about you're in that bus you're popping mike and it's like you're in that moment right or you're yep. the only guy in that village and you got a merc you know four other four or five other people who by the way must have been super salty when they realized that it was just <laughs> one guy who took out four or five of them right i i felt so cool <laughs> like, i'd say we're all we're, we're all losers right a lot of us are are just playing dress up just like everybody else uh, you know, a lot of people would look at us funny for that, but I have not felt cooler than when I was, you know, I wiped out like two guys and then I like peeked the corner and moved quick because I had that, you know, I had that surprise of action right there. I had that surprise moment where I was like, they're not looking at me right here. So I'm just going to go. Yeah. Um, and when I popped out and took out the other two guys that were sitting right next to him, it was like I was in a game. It it felt like one of the best plays that I've ever done. It's one of those things where it's you you can't it's almost difficult to to think about how awesome it was because you're not in the moment again. Yeah. You know, at, at that time it was like high intensity. My adrenaline was going, you know, it was, <laughs> I, I don't even know how to describe it other than one of the most exciting things I've done in the game. You know, and that was just a small firefight of like five guys yeah. in, in a 50 foot area. Well, cause no, the stakes so. are so high, right? Like it's uh, and, mm. but like you said too, like in the moment, you're also, uh, well, because I know you and I know like you've worked on your ready ups and you work on your personal skills and all this kind of stuff. And so you're not even really thinking about what actually is happening. You're just doing right. Yeah, I had a, a similar not as cool moment. But last weekend, we, you know, the first the first game of the day, we did a warm up in the village. I think I sent you that clip right um, yep. on the yep. on the staff chat. And, you know, it's like two minutes long. And like I get to the end of the field and the whistle blows. And I just remember having this realization of like. Did I just get everyone? Did I just do that? Like, I didn't know. Like, I just started. And it's like, I saw a guy, shot that guy, took the next piece of cover, moved up, saw somebody else, shot that person, moved to another place, saw a third person, shot that person, move around, see a barrel, shoot at that, take cover, whistle blows. You're like, oh, I guess we're done. You're like, wait a minute. Hang on. What? So I can I can totally, uh, you know, like sort of appreciate that moment where you just like, all right, you just do the thing and then you finish. You're like, 
whoa, hang on. And I know for me, like, because of how my mind works, I was very much like, did I do something wrong? Like, did I just jinx something? Did something is like, is there a glitch? Like what, what happened? Right. So I don't know if you, uh, yeah, you I, felt similar, but yeah, no, um, it was great because the guys that I was playing against also had the same feelings as I did. They were like, dude, that was awesome. <laughs> like oh after God. I, because I, I killed them and I went up to go loot them. I was like, do you have anything useful? And of course I'm still like on the lookout because I don't know if there's anybody else. Yeah. I don't know how really big their squad was. I only saw the five guys that came into the village. So I'm still staying low, looking around, like moving up to the guys quick and like asking, like, give me your stuff. Like what, what else, what other supplies do you have? And uh, they're just looking at me like, dude, this is awesome. This is so cool. Here's my kill card. And they're just like handing me their supplies and stuff. Uh, it, it was great. None of, they actually were not salty at all. They were just like, dude, that was fantastic. And that was what the game felt like for a lot of people, I think. Um, it was just totally different. You know, it's there's something different when there's actual things in the game at stake. It's not just like, oh, this objective is getting captured. It's if I don't get this, what else is going to happen next? Mm -hmm. What is what is the fate of the rest of the game, the rest of this round for us if we don't do this now? Because if you all die, you're just done, man. Like, that's it. Have fun. Go sit out and wait for the next game to start. And there were hour breaks in between because they were so intense. Mm -hmm. So. If you if you die, you know, after the 30 minute mark, you're sitting out for at least at least an hour and a half before the next game starts. Wow. So like that, that that was a and nobody was mad about that. That was the best thing. Nobody was upset about that. But there was one person that was upset about that. Yeah, they don't uh, let me whatever. let me give you a little. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll I'll give you a, a tiny bit of story time just so we don't get stuck on this. But Jeff had infiltrated like pretty much behind enemy lines. We were up on top of a ridge near oil. And uh, we saw the enemy coming out of their respawn and we were just laying in wait. He had pretty good camouflage and he was just laying in a good concealed position. And those guys were walking from their respawn. And then we hear the marshal yell, 30 minutes has ended. So there's no respawns from this point. So Jeff is just watching these guys just waltz towards him. And he's sitting there like, I, am I going to shoot him? Am I going to shoot him? I don't know if I'm going to shoot him. But the ref just called out, if you die, you're done. Mm -hmm. You're done for the rest of the round. So Jeff takes out those two guys like quickly because they they were, you know, that was the, the moment that he had. And they got so mad about it, man. They were like, seriously, we were just coming out of spawn. He's like, man, listen, I worked my way up around you guys like I worked for this. I wasn't just sitting here watching you guys come out of spawn like this was a, a maneuver that we had made. Yeah, it just so happened that they were walking up. They got so, so salty. Uh, that's all I'll get for there. But it was. I was so proud of Jeff. <laughs> it was, it was yeah. such a good play. It was such a good play because that's that's how you win that game, right? That's how you win that spot. And that's a tactical advantage. And that's what he said to them. I had the tactical advantage over you guys. I took it. Yeah. So I'm sorry. And uh, sorry that you guys got shot and died. But that's the game, guys. That's wrong, just how it is. Wrong time, wrong place for them. And, yep. you know, I don't know what they were like coming out of their spawn, but I know what I've seen a lot of players are like when they come out of their spawn and they don't particularly have urgency or care or security. You think you're safe because you're at your spawn. So they tough, were literally right? walking up the center of the road. Yeah, yep. Tough. Yeah. That's... It's not, we were literally just laying in wait. Like Sucks it was, to suck, they were man. in a bad spot. Yeah. Too bad. Too bad. But that yeah. was great. That was another highlight of that game was seeing that happen. So yeah, man, great. it's wild. And you know, one thing you, you mentioned earlier, and I think, uh, I didn't get a chance to talk about it then, but I'll bring it up now. You were talking about Jeremy and 
one of the things that really struck me that I think you guys did really smartly, and he also did really smartly, is I think you played a lot together before you pulled the trigger one way or another. I know when Matt joined our team, it was very similar. We're like, hey, we would love for you to join the team. Your attitude is great. Um, and he was like, I need some time to think about it and played some games. And after a while, he was like, yeah, cool. That sounds fine. And that's really important because based on what you were just talking about now, like even, you know, Jeff's attitude and all those interactions and stuff, you know, if you bring someone in the fold that doesn't is not a good fit, then suddenly you start having, you know, issues where you're like, oh, I don't know about this guy or whatever. Whereas mm -hmm. instead, what you have is these situations where it's like we've got rocks out of players, not concerned about stuff. It's just, you know, a positive and they they espouse the values that you guys all share. Right. So really cool. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. It, like I said, Jeremy's just another one of the guys. It, he just fits in perfectly. And he, he exactly what you said. He just shares the same values as we do. And uh, he's just another person that's great to hang around with. I have no problem inviting those people over my house or going out to eat. I'm not embarrassed of them. Like it's yeah. that's what I want. They're all my friends, you know. Exactly. Right. And you can't, you know, you know, it's cliche, but you can't put a you can't put a price tag on that. Right. Like, you know, yeah, you yep. can have great players who play at your field. But if they're, you know, if they're not nice people or if they're people who you don't get along with like why would you want to hang out with those people right so exactly yeah so listen just changing gears a little um what are some of the challenges that you had this year um uh, just thinking about like i mean just like uh, i i say and i in one of the recent videos uh I, I say you know like failure is a part of improvement like we get challenges and that's how we learn and that's how we get better so Looking at your year, like aside from your LMGs that never work, apparently, um, what were some, I think, what's some of the like lessons or hard pills to swallow or things that you're going to look to change um, coming the next year? Uh, you know, this is more of like a real life thing also relating to Airsoft, but financially, I was being very, very irresponsible with the amount of money that I was spending. No, really? Tell me like, more. That was... Yeah, <laughs> like, okay, so it all came to fruition, like, I understood it a lot more when we started seeing, like, big payments, because we just bought our first house, so um, lots of things started falling into place where it's like, oh, I actually have to pay attention to all of these things, because it's really important now. It's mm -hmm. not like we are just save, able to save up a ton of money, so um, looking back on the year and how much I was spending for ammo and running an LMG every weekend, and, you know, that that's a lot of ammo. Yeah. Running an LMG all the time is a lot of ammo. But at the time, it wasn't something that bothered me so much because, you know, I didn't have a huge thing that I had to pay every single month. You know, my girlfriend and I were still able to save up and live with our parents while we were looking for a house. So now that that's happening, um, it makes me realize I spent way too much money. Yeah, <laughs> way too much money. And, um, you know, I, I am always telling people and I'm always talking to people about like gear and all of these things that I would want to do and I'd want to try. And um, now I'm looking more on the frugal side of things. Like I'm looking at my guns and I'm looking at my gear for next year and I'm like, do I really need anything else? Like, absolutely. There's a new gas blowback M249 that's, you know, being shown at various different shows. I think it's made by VFC. Um, it's it looks fantastic. It's like six hundred and fifty dollars. Do I need that? No, I don't need that. But my head is like, Jordan, you want that. You mm -hmm. want that so bad. And um, I can't let that get the best of me this year. Like, I, I cannot do that. I have a lot more responsibility now. Um, and it kind of has changed my outlook on gearing up for events and everything else. I know you didn't want me to talk about my LMGs breaking all the time, but that's a huge piece of, you know, what Airsoft costs, maintenance. Yeah. 
Um, feeding feeding your airsoft guns BBs and stuff, keeping them well maintained, making sure that they're running all the time. It costs money and it adds up when you were doing it all the time. So um, that I think that's probably the hardest pill to swallow for me this year. You know, rounding out the year and moving into next is I'm really going to have to like pay attention to what what we're doing, like what ops we're going to, what games we're planning on doing, you know, traveling. Um, all of that stuff is a lot more real now that we have other things to pay attention to. And I think a lot of that is me just growing up and starting to finally do more adult things. You know, a lot has changed since I started playing Airsoft. Yeah. And coming into this year, it's been a big year for me with with life changes, you know, between uh, job changes and, um, you know, buying our first house and moving out. It's a lot of, you know, shock. And that's why I've kind of been a little bit out of the airsoft scene recently. And I haven't been, you know, super talkative uh, because there's so much stuff that's just going on. It's, you know, we we moved in a couple of months ago and we still have everything everywhere. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's it's all over the place. So I'm trying to mentally like space out time. Like I would love to work on my guns here. I'd love to do this. I'd love to do that. But I'm looking at the house like, what can I do? Like, what else do I want to do? And uh, I just don't have that free time anymore. You know, yeah. I'm still going to make time with the guys and make time to go play. Uh, but it's not as urgent as it was for me. And I think I've kind of finally hit that balance because uh, I I teetered on the line of burnout. I talked to you about that before, you know, burning out playing airsoft and getting to the point of like feeling like I was obligated to do it. Mm -hmm. And uh, recently I've kind of stepped back from it and I've still been playing not nearly as often, but when I do play, it is very uh, influential, influential to me. Like it, it means something more when I get out there and I can play with all my, all my teammates uh, rather than just throwing myself at the field over and over again, every single weekend, like yeah. week after week. Um, now it feels like a treat when I get to go out and play. Um, I, it's a, what, what's that thing? Uh, distance makes the heart grow fonder. Yeah. Um, I feel like that applies to your hobbies as well. It does. Um, if you're doing them. Yeah. If you're doing them all the time, uh, you know, it's, it kind of loses that excitement factor. It kind of loses the, I want to go out and do it. And I think Pat talked about that too before, uh, maybe not the same thing, but he would be like, yeah, do I really want to get to the field? Do I really want to leave my house and pull myself out of bed on a Saturday morning? And then like, once he gets there, he has a great time. But for me, it's like the opposite. Like I want to get there so bad, but then I would get there and I would almost be let down yeah. because it was getting to be the same thing over and over again. So now that I've taken a couple steps back, I'm looking at the gear that I have. I'm looking at the maintenance that I got to do. Um, now I'm just looking forward to like the next time I can see my friends. Um, yeah. You know, which for us, we're running another event or not running an event. We're going to another uh, another weekend for indoor airsoft where you know what we did last year or yep. this year really we went to rhode island so we scheduled that again for next year and we just like rented out the airbnb we just put down the uh, deposit and stuff so awesome. we're gonna be doing that in february of uh next year so that's really close yeah you no know, that that two months before then is gonna go by like nothing and i'm gonna be you know there in rhode island playing with all my guys um so that's probably what it is for me it's like just taking that step back has made me see it in a totally different light. I mean, it's so funny that you would mention that too, because I, I know some of the guys on the on the Discord were talking about, you know, like, oh, how many games have you played, right? It's like, oh, I've been playing Airsoft for like three years. I played 32 games. Like, how many games have you played? Oh, I played 40. And like, I just, it, it struck me that number one, like I played 12 games this year, which is not really a lot. That's not a lot <laughs> of Airsoft, right? When you think about it. But what matters more? Is it the number 
or is it the quality, right? And I think you're talking about that right now. Like, if I could look back at the games that I played this year, how many of those times did I just have, like, the best time? And how many times was I just sort of going through the motions, Mm -hmm. right? And I'd say that's probably a 60-40 split. 40% of the time, I was just there to be there. And then 60% of the time, I was like stoked to be there because Pat and John and Steph and everybody, you know, they were all, they were all Matt and, you know, Josh, like everyone was out, right? So like, I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. And then the rest of the time, you're just sort of like, eh. And then that's when you really want to find that balance for yourself. And, And to your point as well, like, it's not cheap, especially for you guys in the States. Like, you know, when you talk about your field fees and stuff, like everything in Canada is more expensive. I get it. But one thing that is not that expensive for us in comparison is field fees. Like I pay 20 bucks mm-hmm. to play and that's it. Whereas you guys are talking about like going to events that are like hundreds of American dollars. Yeah. Right. Which is unheard of. Like I have never played. I have never paid more than 50 bucks Canadian to play a game. Never. Right. And you guys are dropping, you know, triple digits on just the field fee and and everything else. So like, yeah, when you're in your position that you're now discovering of like, uh, you know, having sort of the big bills and, and all this kind of stuff, it changes, changes your perspective. And when I look at my gear, like I spend very little on airsoft. Like I don't buy new guns typically. And when I do, uh, I'm buying something that we're just going to tear out and put new stuff in. Right. Yeah. Or I'm working out something with Pat to do a swap for something he has and he sells what I was using before, which is what we did with our last gun. Um, like I'm looking at doing eventually, you know, maybe looking at doing a Kythera and I'm like, oh, that's, you know, several hundred dollars. I'm like, that's a lot of money. Really? Right. You're looking at HPA now? Yeah, man. Oh, my God. Well, actually, what it's is happening. Well, it started because uh, and this is this is a joke. This is a running gag. And I have I've oh said this to Pat. Pat has likes to have a lot of different guns. I've only ever really. Yeah. When I, whenever I'm playing Airsoft, I've only ever really had two rifles. Like I've had, you know, like one or two sidearms, but I have had two rifles. And one was the one I liked and one was the one I didn't like, but I had as a backup just in case, right? But Pat has always collected more. And I always made fun of him because I was like, you can only use one gun at a time, right? But yep. now Pat has multiple, or he's looking at getting multiple HPA guns. Well, he has multiple HPA guns. He has his M27 and he's got the Scorpion Evo, which he ran last weekend, which was hilarious. Different conversation. But... Like I said to him, it's like, you can only use one at a time unless you're going to have a double, like one of those double HPA setups or whatever. But even then, yeah. you're even though he could, he's not going to use the Scorpion as a sidearm, right? So <laughs> I'm like, well, if I get my own line and I get my own tank, and he's like, well, I've got a line for you. I'm like, all right, so if I get my own tank and my own reg, then I can run HPA too, right? Yep. And once I do that, then I'm like, oh, well, do I want to put a Kythera in the form factor rifle that I have right now? And, you know, again, these are, we're talking about hundreds of dollars and, you know, at the same time, it's super interesting. Like the, there is no question that Pat's HPA M27 is much, much, much more accurate than my full-sized rifle, right? Mm-hmm. And the form factor is the same. Like his is not any longer than mine, but he's reaching out and touching people at really long ranges. And like, like I said on the podcast, it felt like cheating using his optic with that range. I'm like, I have an aimbot. Like I just put my crosshair yeah. on someone and they get hit with one shot. Like this is unheard of, right? So yeah. we, we've had some experiences like that this year. Um, I, I will say I'm very proud that Jeff bought his first LMG this year and mm-hmm. uh, very promptly ripped out the gearbox and HPA that thing. Um, and almost immediately he looked at me. He's like, this is like a cheat code. Yeah, this is like a cheat code. Like having a well-tuned HPA light machine gun on the field is almost like cheating. 
because you can put out such accurate fire at such distance as long as you're using good good stuff and quality heavy bbs mm -hmm. of course because that's that's important for those um that it's almost difficult like how do you compete with that you you really can't um and I'm I'll I'll just keep poking fun of Jeff here. All of our teammates have way too many guns. Uh besides Matt, Matt is like the only one that's sensible out of us and only has like two guns. Very proud of you, Matt. Uh don't don't be like us. Yeah, um, way to go, Matt. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Don't don't be like us, Matt. Uh but everybody on our team has like a, a ridiculous amount of guns. You know, Will has his gas blowback guns. Jeremy has a bunch of HPAs. He's got a couple umbrella armory things. Uh, like he's got some nice guns too. Like we all have our things. Jeff has a bunch of HPA guns and he recently got into uh HPA DMR setup. He mm -hmm. set it up on an I believe it's an uh, a Sima Platinum, I think it was an M10, so like a 762 um like actual DMR, like kind of like an SR25. I I'm not totally sure on the exact definition of it, but it's that idea, like SR25 M M110 SAS uh form factor. And he has that thing set up HPA and it's running at DMR limit, like the the max that he can have, two point seven five joules. Jeez, and he's running like four fives in that thing, and that he he's telling me he's like Jordan, it feels like I'm cheating because I'm making some like ridiculously long shots, like outrageously long shots to the point where people actually have no no way to even combat that. Like you can't if you're in a firefight or you don't know where he is, like you can't fight back against that besides taking cover. He just has that range advantage. Mm -hmm. um, and while you can argue that um, AEGs can do the same thing, a well-tuned AEG could do that. Absolutely. It absolutely can do that. But it comes with the stress of everything in the gearbox having to handle up to 2.75 joules yeah. worth of energy yeah. every single time, where Jeff can just crank the regulator, set it to the limit, and then he's good to go. Yeah. Um, there's, a certain, there's a certain perk to that that I do like. I don't have any HPA guns myself. I don't know when that's going to change, um, but I, I currently don't. And my perk is being able to just put my gun down wherever I want to, not have to disconnect a line. Not if I need to pick it up or hand it to somebody, I can just hand it to them and then they can automatically use it. Um, I don't have to worry about like, hey, you got to walk with me so you can use this thing. Um, but I, it's really crazy to me to hear that you're considering Kythera now. And, you know, I, I'd like to say that it's Pat's fault, because it is. Well, it is. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, th you raised a lot of really good points. And my biggest hang up with uh, with HPA in general was, you know, people uh, people online will often say like, oh, well, people hate on the HPA line and they've never even used one, etc. Right. They don't know what they're talking about, which is fair. But I came from paintball where I used a paintball marker on a remote line. So I know about remote lines. And yep. it turns out that my remote line for paintball was really shitty, right? That's the bottom line. <laughs> and so my experiences with that were not really great. And so when I switched over to Airsoft, it felt really liberating because it's like, oh, I don't have this thing that is mm -hmm. extremely rigid, that's like forcing me to hold my, my rifle in a particular way. Like, it's just like, oh, wow, this is exactly what it's supposed to feel like, right? Then when I used Steph's HPA the first time, I was like, oh, I was sort of pleasantly surprised, but it was a one-op game. I'm not really paying attention. But then I used Pat's HPA in a more like, um, you know, concerted setting where I'm being more serious. I'm trying to apply my fundamentals. It's not just like whatever. And it's a form factor that made sense to me, et cetera, et cetera. And then I realized that that remote line was not impeding me in any functional way, right? Was mm -hmm. I able to transition with no problem? 
Yes, I was, except for the optic, but that has nothing to do with the remote line. You know, was I able to work my rifle around a cover like we always do, breaking it off the shoulder? Coming, I was doing all of that stuff, no problem. So really, that particular hang-up was like, okay, well, this is no longer a problem, right? Yep. You do a bit of cable management, you're all set. The, the flip of that is you just mentioned some really great points, which is that there are times when you want to be able to do whatever the situation requires. And sometimes that means giving your rifle to somebody else, putting your rifle down. It means, you know, slinging your rifle on your back. It means doing a bunch of different stuff. And is that really going to be a factor for me if I switch over to HPA? Well, it hasn't come up yet, so maybe not. When it does yeah. come up, is it going to be a really big issue if it does come up? Certainly could be. Um, but I think about most of the engagements and most of the games that we play, and I, I really don't see it being too much of a hang-up. Um, the other thing is I, you know, uh, talking to Pat, he's like, he thinks the Scorpion is a little small for him. It definitely is a little small for him. There's no question. Because he's a big dude. It's a small gun. Right? It's, yeah, a, it's small a small gun, gun, and he's a big dude. Now, he loves, uh, he loves small guns. He always has. But, like, mm. I think more often than not, I can see him hitting the field with the M27, and the Scorpion just sort of stays behind. Well, Let's give that a roll, right? Let's see how that yeah. goes. So, but yeah. I, either way, like I'm, I'm really curious about it, and it's we're and like I said before on the podcast, and right at the start with C21, we're at this weird place now where we don't know what might happen. So if something is interesting, we kind of have to jump on it because we might not be able to do that in six months' time, right? Yeah, exactly. You got to jump on it now. And just to loop back just slightly uh, to bring back another point. You're making a very good, very, very good argument for the games that you play. HPA seems to be fine. You know, you don't really have to deal with the line. You're not having to deal with, you know, extra stuff, carrying extra stuff. Um, I a big argument for me is that HPA is really good. I think the, it's best for skirmishes, mm -hmm. places where it's short games or where you can perform what you need to do. You can refill air when you need to. But there is something to it when it comes to middle sims where you have to carry that extra weight yep. on you all the time and you know jeff jeff has said the same thing to me before he's running his lmg and he's got a dual tank set up in his backpack um and the lmg itself is heavier it's got a lot of rounds in it and you're carrying a lot of extra stuff and that is a backbreaker yep. when you're carrying it around all day those extra tanks really do you know, it, it does add up when you're adding it on top of everything else. So for like longer events, like where we're carrying all of our food and water on us, that's just like an extra extra weight. And what what's the what's the expression? Uh, ounces equal pounds and pounds equal pain. Something 100%. Like that. I was just going to say like, that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's how it is. You know, I carry I'll carry a heavy um, LMG around. But if I don't have something extra heavy on my back, it's not so bad. I can move it from my chest to my back. I can move it from my back to my chest. I can put it down. It's great. But when you have those tanks on you, you have to wear them. Mm -hmm. You have to deal with that. Um, and, th and that's just another thing for me, you know. So I, I'm, it's great to hear that you're considering it. That is totally, I am totally surprised <laughs> by that. Me um, too, I'm man. I'm surprised that you did it before me. Yeah. Seriously. I'm, yeah. I'm really surprised you did it before me. But, you know, um, I think, but, you, you know, you touch on something that's so foundational, too, to everything that we've said on, you know, on the podcast, on our channel in general, which is that, there is no one particular kit that's good for everything, right? And so when you have airsofters out there going like, HPA is the best, AEG is crap. And then other people being like, AEG is the best, HPA is crap for whatever reason. All of those, all of those like 
um, points of view that are so extreme are complete nonsense because you will always find situations where a particular setup is empirically more advantageous than another. And I think a lot of our jobs is to figure out, okay, what works for what we're just about to do? So you know, you know, I'm going to be doing a milsim and be 36 hours. I got to carry everything like, you know, we're talking to Ambo about border war and stuff. Am I going to go around with an HPA, like with a dual tank set up, carrying an extra, you know, you know, two kilos or six pounds of extra stuff? Probably not, right? But on the flip side, if all you do is play skirmish games at your field for like, like we often do on Saturdays or whatever at Frontline, you know, half an hour games on, on every field, why don't you just run a battle belt? You totally could do that. Are you going to do that Absolutely. a 36-hour milsim? Hell no. Right. <laughs> so you, everyone is always arguing based on what works for them. And that's totally fine. But there's there's definitely a piece where you can sort of think, hey, can I do both? Like, is there a world where I do both of those things? I can't imagine yeah. a world where I would uh, ditch my HP, uh, ditch my AEG in favor of an HPA permanently. Um, but on the flip side, I couldn't imagine a world where I would ditch plate carriers forever. And you know, the other day, Mark wore my plate carrier um, at at the game because he hadn't played for a while. And after that, I was like, "Man, I'm never going back to wearing that thing." Right? You're so, actually bringing up something something that I wanted to ask you about. So I've gone through plenty of different gear changes this year, uh, from starting off with my Tasmanian Tiger rig that I remember talking to you about forever yeah, ago yeah. when I first got my RPK. Um, to getting into lighter rigs, um, like micro rigs and stuff like that, and to now getting into full-on like load-bearing belt setups with yeah. the harness and everything else. Um, so my gear has changed totally, like completely. I remember the first year I was playing, it was all about play carrier, all about you know practicing reloads all the time, and now all of my stuff has gotten slower and more and more high drag. Like everything that I've gotten is like what makes sense to wear right now because. When I'm on an LMG, I don't have to reload fast. Why do I have to have easily fast, accessible mags? Yeah, you know, a lot of times, unless I'm in the heat of the moment reloading, I'm not reloading a mag. Like I'm, I'm in the fight for the entire time, not reloading. So, wearing gear that works for you is super important. And I think I've talked about this before that cool gear for me is less and less about how cool it looks now, and more about how well it works. Absolutely. Um, and and that's a huge thing that my team has opened me up on. You know, I've I've kind of taken it after Jeff because he was the first one that I really talked to you about wearing LMG belt setups. Um, after that, it's like, how many surplus pouches can I put on this? How much stuff can I carry in this? You know, I I'm carrying right now my on my full setup. I have everything that I need for like six to eight hours of patrolling. If I wanted to throw stuff in my butt pack and everything, like I have everything that I need. And then I can throw on an assault pack over it and then drop it off somewhere and yeah. then just leave it. Like, yeah. I don't have to have extra stuff. Um, and it's it's just so crazy to see that now I've, I've come like full circle, not even full circle. I've come like full 180 from where I was yeah. because I when I first started, I was I had this image in my head of what I wanted to be. And then as I've gone across, played more and more events, I'm just like, this doesn't work. Why do people do this? This looks cool, but it doesn't make sense. Like, yeah. why are we wearing plate carriers when it's 95 degrees outside and we're hiking? Like, it doesn't it doesn't help us for that, it, it, especially for me. So um, I, I'm just it's crazy to think about how far we've come just this year. And, you know, seeing that you've moved away from your plate carrier and you've been using chest rigs for a while now. And you just talked about running only a belt like 
Phil, it's only a matter of time until you do choose to run something like that. Well, and then you're I'm, like, that part I'm not sure about just from the belt, just because of my particular build and where my my uh, chest rig sits on my chest for my for my reloads on my front. I still I shoot a lot and I do a lot of reloads from my front all mm-hmm. the time, and it's still. I, I think it's, it's interesting what you say about slowing down because I don't focus on my reloads. Actually, there's a video we just released this week on ready ups. And I firmly believe still that the most important skill is the ready up. And I really don't practice reloads outside of just keeping sort of that muscle memory. I'm not trying to get faster at doing them because at the end of the day, like I'm still just as fast as I need to be for what we're doing on the field, which is still faster than lots of other players. Right. So that's Mm -hmm. fine. And I'm not trying to flex. It's just a statement of fact. Right. Um, But fundamentally for me i'm still doing it a lot and i find that having them there is still where my muscle memory is at and is still the most efficient some people find reloading from their belt is very efficient i carry uh, mags on my belt ready to load but they don't go unless i'm in a really bad spot they don't go from my belt to my gun they go from my belt to my pouches when i get like an admin moment or whatever right so mm-hmm. i'm not sure that i would go to like a full belt setup like some of the guys like i you know, even talking to matt again when he plays on his field in california where it's all cqb and they you know they do a lot of that belt stuff for me that's not my direction but i you know like i'm not not open to the idea either right if someone had a belt setup they're like hey you should try this i'd be like okay sure right whether it's a harness or a setup or whatever but you raise a, an also a really good point which is that now you know it's not i wouldn't say that it's your you know you've gone like 180 but it's just you're, you're continuously learning right you're learning That's more true, about true. what you're doing what works for you what works for your team and as a result of that too like you know you say oh yeah it looks cool or whatever but actually i think and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but what you think probably looks really cool is the same thing that I think looks really cool, which is seeing a player who has kit that is very obviously exactly what that player wants to be wearing because they know that that's the best thing for them. As opposed Absolutely. to, you know, you hit the field and you, you know, and this is not di- this is not dissing anyone. Like you hit the field and you see someone, you know, head to toe in whatever Gucci camo pattern that they that they want, their plate carrier multicam, they're they've got the cry pants, they got the tan boots, they got the cry, you know, Team Wendy bump helmet, they've got the, you know, the NVGs on top of it. Like they're fully kitted out, full face. You can't see their face. And they look like a tier one operator or whatever. And then you sort of realize like, well, they're wearing NVGs, but it's the daytime. Like, wh- yep. <laughs> what's going on? Like I get that it's cool, but this person is wearing that because they think it's cool rather than the individual who you look at and go, okay, so he's wearing two different types of camo. He's got a weird scrim thing on his helmet. Like, I don't know what's going on with that thing. Um, also like he doesn't seem to have a plate carrier. It's just like this old school harness Matt on our team rocks a harness as well. Right. Uh, and old school, like surplus pouches, you know, and like it works. It works for that individual. They've made that choice very discreetly. They've like, I did this because it works for me. Like you can't, you can't compete with that. Like that's cool. That's undeniable. That is so cool. That is so cool. It is so cool. And you know, um, now I find myself, I used to just send pictures of like, Oh, Jeff, check out this play carrier. Will check out this new rig that I'm, I'm looking at. And now I'm like looking at old pictures of like from the 2000s where people are still wearing like the bulky stuff that they could carry everything on. And I'm looking at it like, wow, that is so cool because that person is carrying everything they need. Something I've become recently super into, um, which is a big, a big reason why I built my belt the way that I did 
looking at the British military and what they do for their setups. They still use the battle belt setups, the belt with the suspenders, and mm-hmm. then they, or a lot of them do. And they can carry their like entire life on that belt. They carry so much stuff on there. And is that reasonable for Airsoft? For most people, probably not. But those guys build that to work perfectly for what they need. Yeah. Um, and the same thing can be said for people that wear tactical gear or, you know, load bearing equipment when they're outside doing stuff like people that go hiking or people that are outdoorsy, people that, um, were, you know, take their they move around and they're like in the woods, like doing survival based stuff. I've seen a lot of videos of those guys also wearing load bearing equipment, old surplus stuff, stuff that makes sense for them. And when I look at that, I'm like, wow, this guy's out there just chopping down wood and chopping down trees and like living in in the woods yep um but he's wearing like all this stuff that just makes sense um and there's a lot of a cross between you know what works for backpackers and hikers and what works for people that are playing airsoft especially milson absolutely yeah there's there's a lot of cross so when i look at somebody that's like a backpacker or like a hiker and they have some cool stuff that just makes sense like they folded something a different way or they taped something and now we can hold this i'm like wow that is fantastic why didn't i think of that mm-hmm. um you know i i'm looking at this pouch that will cost me 80 dollars to hold this specific magazine that i have um but this guy just folded over an old medic pouch and then velcroed it a different way and now it holds it perfectly like that is ingenuity like reusing old gear and like making your gear tailored to what you need is so much cooler to me than just buying whatever is the newest and highest speed because uh, it shows that you actually care about what you're doing and you're thinking about the decisions you're making. Totally, totally, 100%. As opposed to just throwing on whatever is the Gucciest gear that you have. Well, um, it's, so, it's like interesting said, It's interesting that you bring that up too because when we talked to John about like historical reenactment, um, and not just, but also impression kits, one of the things that he always looks for in these old pictures is he's trying to see what people did in order to make their kit work for them because in their situation, they're not going on like some random retailer and buying custom made pouch. Firstly, that didn't exist back mm-hmm. then, but it gives you a sense into the the agency of the individual. Like, what did what were they thinking? Why did they do that thing, right? And so, as you see some of that stuff, that's when you know. Even you know, we see this all the time. We just don't think about it in the context of airsoft. Like, what are people actually like MacGyvering together to make it work so it's a little bit easier? And just the other day in the Discord, Chaz was showing how. Uh, on his Dean's plugs, he uses his soldering iron to just cut grooves into it to get more grip. And I'm yep. like, that's genius. That's genius. It's Such genius. a good tip. And that applies for everything. Like you were just saying, it's like, oh, I could get this custom made pouch or I could do, I could get like a Dean's plug that has texture built into it and then just resolder all my Dean's plugs. I mean, sure, I guess, but yeah. you can also find a way to make it work. Right. And w- like you said, like when you see people who have figured something out, you're like, that's cool. This guy airsofts. Like this guy understands <laughs> what he's trying to do, what works for him on the field, and that's way cooler to me than like that guy's got a really expensive kit that he's obviously spent a lot of money on, right? Yeah, absolutely. And no, no, um, no disrespect, no, no shade. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Not. I those those are some cool things that you know those people are wearing, um, and that if that's what they like to do, if that's how they enjoy the game, absolutely. Um, I, I have no issues with that. Yeah. Um, just for me, this is how it works for me. And, you know, it's changed from me just playing dress up to now playing dress up with function like that. Yeah. That's like a huge thing for me. Um, ever since I built that belt kit, it's like I haven't wanted to wear literally anything else because 
Does it work the best for all things? No, but it does everything. It does everything pretty well. You know, yep. is it the fastest? No, but I can do all of the things. It, it, it's just it's just great. Uh, Are you going to be I, wearing your belt I, when you go play a CQB indoors? That's tough. That's tough. Yeah. Um, I don't see I for that. I'd probably still wear my um, my Tasmanian Tiger. Uh, that's what I wore last time. I wore my Mark II rig for it. I um, mean, that was fine. Not because I don't want to get shot in the chest, but like. I don't want to get shot yeah, in the chest. Like, that's, that's just not as fun. And also, that belt will not help me at all yeah. inside. Um, that it adds width to me. It those pouches stick off my hips and on my back a lot. You know, not a lot, but significantly more than I do as a person. Yeah. So I can just picture myself trying to walk through doorways and hitting on everything. Yeah. Um, legit, and legit. and that's not fun. That's something that you actually like actively have to think about when you're moving through spaces. So probably not. Um, I've toyed with the idea of it because obviously I want to play in CQB like I'd play in an event, but I, I don't know how reasonable that is. Um, yeah, maybe you'll I'm do not it hardcore once, now. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not hard. You know, Kyle is also still running his meter stick at CQB. Like I talked about last yeah, time, yeah. that long, long M4. He has designated that as his CQB gun now. So um, he's going to be running that. I'm not as hardcore as Kyle. Um, I I don't try to be as hardcore as Kyle. Kyle is just a... He's too much. He's too much. Uh, I can't. So handle that, what I'm getting here is you yeah. you and Kyle will be very well matched. He'll be longer than you are wide and you'll be wider than he is long. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, Kyle, Kyle will. Uh, they'll see him coming from a mile away and they'll hear me coming yeah. from a mile away because I'll be. <laughs> yeah, I'll be knocking into everything on my way through it. That's so but, funny. Oh, no. that Yeah. Oh, man, I can't wait. That's going to be so much fun. That's so awesome. Well, Jordan, I could keep talking to you forever and ever, I think, uh, just about this stuff and catching up, but I think we should wrap up. Just um, just before we wrap up, for all those who are listening, right now on the Discord, we are running a contest to design our official Discord server patch. So we've got lots of really, uh, really great members of the community who tend to meet up for different games that like we've talked about at, you know, Copperhead and so on and so forth. Uh, and some people said, well, why don't we have a Stormriders Discord server patch? I thought that's a great idea. So um, what we're going to do, we're running this contest until December 16th. If you want to submit a design, all the rules are on the Discord. But the idea is that the winning design will go into production. We're going to make a patch and it will ship internationally. So it doesn't matter if you are in Australia, like our buddy Frosty, or whether you're in Canada or Europe or anywhere, we'll ship it. And the whole idea is we're going to keep the price as low as we possibly can uh, to make sure that everyone gets an opportunity to, um, uh, to get a patch if they want to. So if you're interested in submitting a design, um, you can do so right in the Discord. If you're not a member of the Discord, you should also take the opportunity to join us. Uh, the link is in the description. But yeah, Jordan, thanks so much for joining us, man. It was a great conversation as always. Yeah, as always, Phil, like you said, um, I can't wait till uh, I can't wait to give you some more cool news or different things that I'm doing or my next first HPA setup, whenever the heck that happens uh, yep. or my gun breaks again. Um, well, yeah. I can't wait to. Yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Um, but I can't wait to talk to you again, man. It was a pleasure. And as always, thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And I hope you have a great week. Take care.